This is episode 38 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is the founder of Wander, Jenny O. Let's get it started. Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco. Thanks again for being a part of this journey. Excited to have you here for this episode and really excited to introduce you to my guest today, Ginny O. She is the founder of a company called Wander, W-A-N-D-R. Um, they are a product design and strategy firm, and they're a remote company. So all the employees you know, live wherever they want to live uh, to do their work. And it's really interesting to talk with Ginny. I came across her about a year ago on LinkedIn and just fascinating that someone would just pick up and just go live uh, wherever they want to live and not have a really a home base. Um, and, and she's kind of a digital nomad, as she calls it. Um, so it's pretty cool uh, to kind of hear those stories. And, you know, I follow a lot in Instagram stories. I definitely recommend others do as well because uh, she definitely shares kind of the journey that she's on and, and some of the cool things that she's exploring in these different countries. Um, so it's pretty fascinating. But um, Ginny is spelled a J-I-N-N-Y-O-H. You can find her online, you know, GinnyO.com. Go check her out on LinkedIn. She's on Instagram as well, um, at GinnyOHH on Instagram. Um, but I think you guys will enjoy her journey, enjoy what they're doing at Wander, um, and you'll really enjoy this episode and some of the you know, kind of a peek behind the curtain uh, moments in terms of starting a business, you know, managing employees, being a leader, all those different things that come with it. Um, so we have a, a really cool um, chat today. So I'm not going to set it up anymore. I'm excited for you guys to listen out in this interview. So without further ado, let's jump into my chat today with Ginny O. Let's get it started. Ginny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. I have been excited to chat with you for a little while, and you've been hard to pin down because you're all over the world. Uh, where, where are you calling from tonight? <laughs> well, luckily, I'm back in the States, so I'm calling in from Los Angeles. Uh, but the last uh, two months has been kind of crazy. I've been all over. Um, so I think originally when we were scheduled to have our podcast uh, call, I was out in Bali, Indonesia, and I had asked you if we can reschedule. I don't know if you asked me or if I asked you, but I remember we had to reschedule um, partly because my Wi-Fi was very unreliable. <laughs> I, I imagine. I yeah, I don't know what it is uh, how, or how it is out there. So can you, let's start there because I, um, I certainly obviously want to go back and we'll talk a little bit about your upbringing and some of those things I'm really intrigued to hear about. But Let's start where we're where we're at. You know, kind of the travel. Can you tell me a little bit about you know the travel? Why you decided? Because I think it's been over maybe over the last year or so you decided to kind of be. Do you call yourself a nomad? Is that the is that the term you use, or is there yeah. another term? Yeah, a digital nomad. So it's funny because I just recently got back from uh, CES, which is in Vegas. And uh, it's a big networking event for um, everyone who's in the consumer uh, or electronic uh, industry. And people were asking me, because uh, it's a networking event, they were, they were asking, where are you from? Or where do you live? And I said, well, I'm from one place, but I don't live anywhere at the moment. They're, and they just all turned their heads like, what? You don't live anywhere, what do you mean? <laughs> and I said, um, 
you know, home is where the luggage is at the moment. So I do call myself a digital nomad. Um, I've been kind of living this lifestyle for the last um, four, five years. And, uh, but I was kind of half-assing that uh, for the last four or five years because I always had a base in LA. Um, but I didn't really live in LA. I, like I had my apartment and I would come back just to do laundry every other month, <laughs> switch out my outfits and then go traveling again. And so uh, this year I decided, well, why am I paying for rent when I'm never there? It's just storage. So let me throw out all my stuff and actually just be a full-time digital nomad, like no base, nothing, just go all in. Um, and so I have downsized uh, everything to a point where if it didn't fit in my car, it was gone. Where did that come from? Why did you decide to go that route with your life? Uh, it's a, a few different things. Um, so growing up, um, I, I've moved around a lot and it has a lot to do with me being an entrepreneur and who I am. So uh, I was one of those kids who grew up moving around every other year or every year, uh, new home, new, new school, new friends. And so it, it kind of became part of my upbringing that I had constant change of environment. And as an adult, um, I hated it growing up. I really did. But now as an adult, I almost crave that lifestyle where if I stay in a place for too long, I just kind of have this itch to go and, and move on to the next big thing. Um, and I did my first, my very first solo travel when I was 16 years old. I, uh, I was 15 going on 16. Um, and I went out to Mexico to go study abroad and, from that moment on, I just, I fell in love with traveling. Um, I was just like, this is so incredible. I get to go see beautiful places and experience something new that most of my peers at, at that age had not experienced. And I wanted to continue to build this unconventional life where I could, you know, pick a spot on the globe and go there. And, um, and I, I remembered seeing and this is funny because i was just writing a blog post about it um i remember seeing this the movie up in the air with george clooney um uh, maybe like eight or ten years ago and i i, I just like looked at that and i said i want to be that character that george clooney plays like that is so cool that he gets to travel for basically a living and um and over the last like five or six years i was able to design a lifestyle where I do get to live and travel and, and work and uh, anywhere that I want to. Um, so, yeah. Are, are there certain, um, I don't know if there's like, you maybe call them rules or something like that. When you go to these different places, like you maybe have to try something or do you, do you have anything in place there? I don't know. Maybe it's little games you play it yourself. Like every new place you go to, you have to do something or is it just kind of very free spirit? Oh, it's pretty free spirited. Um, I always do try to meet locals. Like I, you know, at this point, like I've done most of the conventional touristy things. And so um, it, it sounds, it sounds a little weird, but when I go to a new place, I don't feel um, inclined to go on a tour right away. Um, I, I, I try not to, um, 
I, I try not to be a tourist <laughs> when I go to a new place. And so um, I'll, I'll, you know, once I land, I'll figure out where I'm staying and then, um, you know, do some work. And it'll take me about four or so days to get kind of acclimated to uh, the local environment before I start exploring um, a new place. And, and is there anything, and again, this could be actually for, well, I guess you're living going uh, forward from uh, all these different places. Do you have any like daily routines that you follow or? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have to, otherwise my life will be crazy. <laughs> and it took me a while to get into this routine before it was just, let me take off for a week and, and go to a new place. And then maybe I'll do work later. And I realized like that it, it just disrupts my entire schedule. It makes me very unproductive. So in order for me to um, continue living uh, this lifestyle where I'm traveling, I have to have to have a routine of some sort. And so, um, you know, as for me, getting over jet lag is very important. So I always carry uh, melatonin with me when I travel. So that way, as soon as I land, um, I'm, you know, adjusted to the time zone. Um, so I do try to wake up around five or six in the morning, uh, every morning, um, do some stretches, um, uh, answer some emails and then, um, start my day from there. And I'll usually do, uh, about four or five hours of work in the morning, um, take a break and then, you know, do some exploring and then come back, uh, after a few hours to finish the rest of my work for the day. So I don't try to knock out, you know, eight hours in one sitting, just kind of space it out. Uh, in the morning and then in the late afternoons. And I want to talk about that. So let's get into work for a little bit here. Um, where did, so obviously what you're doing now with, and, and if, if you want to share quickly kind of, you know, what the business is about, that may help the folks, but I know you're doing, you know, product design and, and those type of things, product strategy. Had, had that, has that always been a part? Like, did you do a lot of design growing up or where did that kind of come from? What fueled that kind of direction? Yeah, uh, let me so let me tell you a little bit about my background and how I ended up uh, starting Wander. It's a little bit of a uh, everything has kind of happened to me very organically. Uh, so growing up, I was you know I, I think entrepreneurship has always kind of been in my blood. I I always wanted to have my own company ever since I can remember. Like I was drawing on on paper like different fashion design, because I thought I was going to grow up to be a fashion designer or own my own fashion clothing line and, and, uh, and sell that. Um, and then I started picking up graphic design when I was 15 or 16. And that was kind of a skill set that has carried forward with me. So by the time I went off to college, I was already building out websites. Um, and by the time I was finishing university, I um, started learning about mobile app de uh, design and development. And um, throughout college, I, that was kind of my trial and error of, my, um, of, of trying to start my first company then. So I, I did a few different various things to make money on the side. Um, I had a blog and I learned about like Google AdSense and it was just um, trying to generate some revenue from, from advertising uh, on my blog. I uh, also had uh, this little eBay business where I figured out that I can go to factory outlet malls, buy up a bunch of uh, handbags like Coach or 
um, or, uh, or I can't even remember the other brands, but coach was one of the best ones that, that sold on eBay. So I would take the final ticketed items from factory outlet malls, just buy a bunch of them and then would mark it up almost 200% and sell it on eBay, uh, to the, the people of the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so that was, you know, between those two and then, oh, the other one was selling used textbooks. Um, so another trick that I, I figured out while I was in college, I would go to the senior dorms uh, towards, towards the end of every semester. And the senior students would just throw out gently used textbooks. Like some of them were brand new, some of them were used, but most of them were pretty much gently used. I would just take them and then uh, sell them on Amazon. And uh, they would sell for, I don't know, anywhere from like, 80 to 300 dollars a piece for something that i just collected out of the dumpster um so that was kind of my my early days of trial and error of entrepreneurship um, and i wanted to move on to the next big thing which was app development and so by the time i was finishing uh university i was picking up how to do ui ux design so that i could launch my first app startup um went off to do grad school and was doing my entire thesis around this new app uh, startup, which was um, like trying to, uh, the best way to explain it was trying to digitalize uh, consumer receipts in the Chinese market. Um, and uh, I, after I finished grad school, I went out to, I moved to China, um, was in Shanghai for a few months to try to fundraise um, and launch the the application. Um, unfortunately, a, a series of a few different misfortunes had happened um, in a period of three months. My CTO, who I was working with for about, at that point, five or six months, um, had, uh, he got diagnosed with MS. And uh, so then he had to, um, he he quit the project to move back to the Netherlands to get healthcare, um, and my visa ran out. Um, well, my visa expired because I was there on a tourism visa, and the only funding that I was able to secure was government funding, and uh, it was through an incubator. And they had told me on day one, they said, "If you want to take this money, you better find a Chinese local co-founder." um and give away 50 percent of your equity because that's the only way that you'll receive this funding and to me that was kind of a sign you know maybe i wasn't uh maybe i wasn't ready for to take on this chapter of my life maybe i'm not maybe this is a sign that i'm not supposed to be here and i felt very demoralized um i was young you know i i finished school when i was um i finished grad school when i was uh 21 going on 22 and uh so at 22, having this startup, not knowing anyone, not really knowing how to fundraise, not uh, not having any savings, just only having student debt at that point, I was just like, okay, well, I need to do something different with my life. And so I decided to close that chapter of my life and just spontaneously moved out to California. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew that um, I wanted to eventually start another company and I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world. 
And so I started picking up freelancing, doing UI UX design, because that was the only real skill set that I had to offer. Um, consulting startups on, on, you know, based on the mistakes that I had made and how to create prototypes in a rapid amount of time so that you don't have to put in so much time and monetary investment into whipping out a prototype to go fundraise. Um, and I thought I was just going to do that temporarily. I thought I was going to just do a little bit of freelancing and traveling until I figure out the next big startup idea. And to be honest, that idea just never came. And uh, the more I consult other startups and the more that I am in this world and this ecosystem, uh, the more I became not so jaded, but aware of the amount of time, the money, and the effort that goes into creating companies like Uber and Instagram and uh, LinkedIn and all these unicorn companies. Um, so, you know, I, so then organically, I went from being a freelancer to starting Wander. Um, it, it was, you know, one client after another. And before, before long, I, I was juggling more clients than I could on my own. And I started hiring other freelancers to work with me. And I got to a point where I decided, well, this is, this is no longer just me one-on-one -on -one with clients. This is me plus team for the clients. And uh, yeah, fast forward to today, we're, I think we're a little over 20 people, maybe like 22 or so, um, uh, all around the world. And we focus on product strategy and user experience design. Uh, Wander has shifted a little bit, and we're actually breaking off into two companies. So we have Wander that's focusing more on enterprise uh, software, and then we're uh, launching a new company called the Startup Bootcamp in partnership with Adobe uh, that will focus primarily on launching startups in four weeks. Well, that's pretty incredible. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, I want to I want to go back for a second though, because there's a couple of things I, I jotted down here. Um, first is I want to go back to to when you were in university. You mentioned these couple ideas that popped in. So one about the textbooks, the other about eBay. Do you remember like were, did those ideas just randomly pop in your head? Is that something that were you just looking around for stuff? Like how did that all happen? Because I think a lot of people always look for that side hustle or maybe to make a few extra bucks on the side and maybe they have those ideas or don't execute on. I'm just kind of curious about that, the, the randomness of it. Yeah. <laughs> and sorry if I was like rambling on with my whole life story. I realized I was talking for quite a while. Um, <laughs> so those actually just kind of, you know, I, I, I think they just kind of came organically. I remember like going to an outlet mall and thinking like, holy shit, like this is super, super cheap. Like I picked up a, a coach bag, which is normally retailed at, you know, $500, $600. And I was purchasing it for almost 70, 70 to $80. And I thought, well, like, does everybody have access to this where they can get like really, really um, cheap final sale, um, like luxury handbags. And when I looked up on, on eBay, it was, it was clear that there was a market opportunity there. So I purchased one bag, immediately flipped it on eBay went back, bought three handbags, flipped those on eBay. And then I realized, oh, wait, I can actually just buy it in bulk and then run that as a side business. Um, with the textbooks, it was more so uh, one, 
I mean, now I don't know if textbooks are, are just digitalized, but when I was in school, it, it was just so expensive to buy a textbook. Um, like I felt like every, like I was spending thousands of dollars every semester purchasing new books. And um, I, I, you know, at the end of the each semester, I realized like people don't actually, they don't do anything with it. They, they buy thousands of dollars of worth of textbooks and then they just throw it out. And they just throw it out on you know, by, right by the dumpsters. And I saw that and decided, well, here's an, here's an opportunity. Let me just grab these and sell it to the students at UNC Chapel Hill, which is where I was going to. So I post, started posting those on different Facebook groups and then uh, eventually migrated to selling them on Amazon. Yeah, I, I think it's just great. Just the fact that, you know, again, a lot of people talk about kind of doing some little things or getting some extra money. The fact that you can just leverage the internet and there's so many opportunities out there. I mean, those are two solid <laughs> examples there that you happen to do, which was really neat. Um, can you share, you know, so so some advice maybe to help folks out? So obviously that experience you went through with the first, um, you know, company you try to start or or even some advice with with Wander and try to get that up and running. Can you share any advice that could be helpful for others that may be in those positions and maybe dip in their toe, want to get started, but maybe don't know how to navigate the water so much? Yeah, I think the biggest advice that I give to every founder that I come across or work with through Wander is, is there a need for your idea? Like, you know, an idea can be, let me rephrase it. Um, you're, you might have the best, most brilliant idea, but if there's no need for it, why invest all the time, energy, and money into developing it? And, and if you feel like there is a need um, for your idea, is it an anecdotal need? Meaning like, are you the only one who's gonna be the customer or have you actually validated that that is a need? And I think the number one mistake that a lot of early stage founders make is that they think they have to go and develop it before testing. And what ends up happening, and this is what happened to me in, 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 um, in my first app startup, was we spent um, you know, six, seven months trying to develop this app, spent a lot of money on it, a lot of time on it, and I could have easily just tested out whether there was a need for it even before we, we started entering the development phase. And I, that would have saved me six months of my life. <laughs> um, and this is, you know, this is what we're trying to do with the startup bootcamp and why we spun it off out of Wander was to educate founders that you don't need all that time to um, invest into, a, into an idea. You just need uh, just a few weeks to mock up a, a, a prototype and go test that. And I can't emphasize how important it is to test at every phase of your product development. Don't wait until you have the first version to test. Like constantly share your idea, share your prototype, um, and don't be afraid. Like, you know, I, here's the other thing. Like people are so scared that other people are gonna steal your idea. No one is gonna steal your idea. Like that is not a thing. It, <laughs> so don't be afraid to share and get feedback because that's what's going to help you 
build a successful business and build a successful product is um, molding your idea from what's in your head to what the market actually needs. Yeah, that's that's great advice there. And I'm curious if you can go deeper into something. I was watching one of the videos you did and uh, one of your speeches, and you talked about um, talk about your basically going. You're you're using your personal savings to pay employees and stuff. Like you got into was that like a bad moment in the business, or is that just like how did you keep going at that point? <laughs> I was curious if you could share that because I think that's that's one of those things. The 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 grit kind of that. I was talking to, I think, Justin Lafazan uh, that founded NextGen a, a few episodes ago, and he was like, yeah, we, we lost $30,000 on our first event. I'm like, man, that's got to that's gotta sting. How do you get keep going? So I'm curious if you can share that, give some insight there of what you went through during that time. Sure, sure. And that was, you know, the the post that just went viral overnight. I I, I, I shared an insight of my, um, my entrepreneurial journey and I think we accumulated over like 20 million views on LinkedIn on just that one post, uh, which talked about um, basically putting my my team's salary for close to six, seven months um, on my personal credit card. And I was, um, I think I was just like a little over $100,000 in debt. And, you know, it, it sounds crazy, but at the time, like, I knew that there was something at the back of my head that everything was going to be all right. Um, we had revenue coming in, and I think that was what was helping to um, calm a lot of the anxiety. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that we had a bad uh, bad phase in our business. It was because I was trying to scale the business. And I realized that, um, and this is what I tell a lot of people that I'm, I'm mentoring now, that you, you don't need much to start. Like starting a business is easy. Just pick an idea and go test it, go validate it. And, and just, you know, as long as your mindset is in it, you can start anything. But what was, what's difficult and what we're still, um, the challenge that we're still faced with now is scaling. Because if I, for me, if I wanted just a lifestyle business where I have good money coming in, um, easy amount of work, then wander, wander's great. Uh, you know, I don't have to do much. It's great. And I could live that lifestyle. But I didn't want that. I didn't want to have a lifestyle business. I wanted a multi-million dollar business that will eventually get acquired by a big Fortune 500 company. Um, and so... And I didn't want to wait 10 years. That's the other thing. And I don't want to, I didn't want an organic growth. And so I was selfish that I wanted to scale quick without having the right amount of cash flow or the investment or any kind of personal savings. And so for me, in order to scale the, at the level that I wanted to, I had to put all of our expenses onto my personal credit card. And so that's what essentially ha had happened. Yeah, and you know, I guess with that too, kind of again going through some of those struggles and, and those type of things. When you so you were a freelancer, obviously, and now you have twenty two employees. Can you talk about that scaling from a leader standpoint? So you went to just being yourself to now you have to manage people and uh, you know understand personalities and all that stuff. How did you learn to to be a leader um, and, and to kind of understand how to structure the company? Yeah, Brian, that's probably the hardest thing for me is being a leader. 
Um, so I am now 26 going on 27. I've never had a full-time job in my life. Um, and I've never learned from other, you know, I've never been under other managers where I can learn what real leadership is about. And so for me, this is all just kind of intuition of like, okay, this is how I should lead my team. This is how we should organize. And uh, when, when I was just working with three or four freelancers, it was just, you know, me and my team. And it, we were just peers. And going from, I, I think the most difficult was going from three to four freelancers to suddenly scaling to 10 plus people. I realized I can't just be friends with my, with my team. I actually have to step up and set the right examples and be the leader and um, essentially eat shit and eat glass and all this crap that other entrepreneurs talk about. And it's so true. And sometimes your team doesn't see that, but um, you know, you as a leader have to put up with it um, to, to guide your team in the right direction. Um, I'm still, you know, I'm still trying to learn and I seek a lot of mentorship from, um, old founders who have gone through this, um, mentors who are, are much more experienced and uh, a lot older than I am to try to get advice from them on whether or not I am doing the right things or not, or can I do more and, and trying to soak up their advice and their mentorship on how I can lead my team better. Um, Cause it is, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely an insecurity of mine um, being the youngest in my team um, that like, okay, well, wow. Like I've got 22 people who are all older than me by a, a pretty big margin and they're following my leadership. Like, Oh my gosh, I feel like, you know, they're, I, I kind of feel like I'm walking on eggshell almost. And I think the last three to four months is when I started to really gain some confidence. Like, okay, yeah, like I, I am a good leader. I, you know, my team is all here. Um, clearly I'm doing something right. Uh, now let me own what I'm doing. But yeah, the first first two, three years, like, no. <laughs> I, I don't think I knew what I was really doing, but um, now I, I definitely do feel a little bit more confident about it. And you guys, I mean, you have a completely remote company, right? That's correct, yes. So talk to me a little bit about how you go through scaling employees and hiring since you don't have a chance to you know, see them, you know, the accountability that goes into that. Do you guys do goal setting? Like, how does that work when everyone's in a different location? Yeah, and this is actually something that, um, so I recently started a, a podcast um, called Remote CEOs. Uh, and so it covers all of these topics. Like, how do you uh, build, scale, and, um, you know, cultivate remote, uh, how do you build remote culture as well? Um, so for one in terms of hiring uh, most of the most of the people that i've hired has been either through referrals um uh upwork has been big um or just through me going through uh, random portfolio sites or now i i get kind of bombarded with people's portfolio um and we had to hire um 
someone to go through everybody's resume. So we do have uh, our head of talent who goes through every resume that comes into our inbox to filter out whether you know a candidate is worth talking to. Um, and when we hire, we look for a few different things. Like one, has this person worked remotely before? Because there is a little bit of a challenge um, hiring someone who is used to that nine to five lifestyle um, and trying to move them towards remote because um, they, they feel this overwhelming, um, uh, I guess, freedom that they don't know how to, um, how to best manage their times. Um, and the other challenge is, I would say, uh, coping with loneliness as well. So we find that it's a lot easier for us to hire people who have already been working remotely because they're used to dealing with that, uh, with those issues before they join Wander. Um, for us, what's really helped build a lot of our culture, we, we do several things. Um, one, we host retreats about three to four times a year. And these are by departments. And then we have our annual retreat um, in June. So we're going to be doing that in Bali this year. Um, and then it, our, cult, our online culture has kind of grown organically. When it was less than 10 people, uh, so, we're, so we're a big Slack user. So when it was uh, less than 10 people, Slack was just kind of used to communicate about work. But when we added that 10th or 11th person, culture just kind of blew up out of nowhere. People wanted to get to know each other, uh, where they're from, what they're doing. Uh, we started doing monthly competition, like, hey, post your cutest baby photo and make that your profile pic. Um, or um, this month we're doing how many burpees can you do without stopping um, to win you know, a, a new athletic gear. Uh, so we're constantly doing little things and um, quirky things to get to know each other's personality outside of work context. How do you like doing, uh, how do you like podcasting? It's interesting. Um, it's so much harder than I had expected. <laughs> um, I, I just, the one thing that's making it a little bit harder as well is I'm doing a video style podcasting. So I'm already nervous doing audio styled interviews, but then to add an element of being in front of the camera as well, that it's just kind of, it's, it, it's, it took me a while to get used to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like the concept and um, I haven't had a chance to, to listen through any interviews. I, I, well, you're just launching that, right though? I, think. I have not. Yeah, I have not. Oh, that's right. It okay, yet. that's yeah, right. I've, I've seen it out there. I just haven't had a chance to, to get through it. The well, I was going to say there's a lot of I mean, even the company I'm at, you know, we just went to kind of a work from home policy You know, I work from home three days a week, going to the office too. So a lot of companies are starting to transition um, to that at least somewhat. So I think there, there's definitely a need for it. Um, so that's kind of a cool concept you're doing and, and talking to, you know, remote CEOs and the like. Um, what I, I I failed to ask earlier, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask just for for more fun. Put on your uh, your travel guide cap here. Where where should people go? What's the what's the best spot or two in the world they need to visit? <laughs> yeah, it's always a tough question. People ask me, "Where's your favorite place in the world?" And uh, there there's you know my I'll give you my top five. Um, the first one I I love Colombia. Um, I 
went, I bought a one-way ticket there and I decided I was going to just stay there until I was fluent in Spanish. Um, <laughs> and instead, what ended up happening was that's when I was traveling throughout Colombia, that's kind of when the idea of starting Wander incepted into my head. So I was, you know, bouncing from one hostel to another and coming up with this idea that like a team, a united team is better than, you know, any one individual freelancer. And so that's kind of, that's the country that sparked my idea for Wander. <laughs> so it's got a special place in my heart. And it's a beautiful, beautiful country too. Um, there's mountains, beaches, snow, whatever you want. Like there's, it's, it's incredible. Um, Iceland, so picturesque, but very, very expensive. Um, I really like China, it's a huge country. There's so much to explore. The only thing I don't like about it is, uh, is the Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see where else. Um, Berlin, a beautiful place. And I would say Bali. Like, I keep ending up going there. Um, this past trip was my third time in Bali. And each trip just keeps getting longer and longer. So the first time I went there for a week, just for a vacation. Second time I stayed for a month, um, trying to get to know the digital nomad community out there. And then this time around, I was out there for two months. Um, and then when I go back there in uh, the summer for our, our team retreat, I think I'm going to try to stay out there for about three to four months. Is, is Bali the one with the the monkeys? I, what was the thing I saw? By the way, anyone listening needs to go check out. Get, follow me on Instagram. Your stories are awesome because you, it's almost like you're on there as a tour guide. But is that where the monkeys were? I, I think I thought they were monkeys or something. Or am I yeah. Thinking? Yeah, they were monkeys, just wild monkeys hanging out. Um like I was just driving there's one particular region region where there's just monkeys all around the street um yeah <laughs> that's pretty cool no, that's that, that's awesome just kind of have them out there the little, little obviously exotic but that's a good transition where, where can everyone find you online and, and follow follow your story yeah they could find me on LinkedIn Instagram uh Twitter although I'm not very active on Twitter um at Ginny O, so that's spelled J-I-N-N-Y-O-H-H. -H. Um, and then my website is ginnyo.com. So kind of as a, as a lasting impression on the you know interview, I'd like you know, to ask folks, what would be kind of a, a parting word or, or quote, anything you want to share with the audience to, to kind of get them out there, get them motivated, excited about you know being fulfilled in life? What would be anything you'd leave them with? Oh, yeah. Um, to live fearlessly. This is like a new thing that I've been doing, which is um you know try to do one thing a day that really scares me to break out of the norms because i feel like so much of our society is just living in fear that we have to be constrained by what other people think we should be doing but that's just you know we're suppressing ourselves from really truly living a fulfilling life because we're, we have this fear in our head that we got to do something in certain ways. So my parting words to everybody is to live fearlessly, like do something that scares you because that's what's going to help you leap from where you are to your potential growth. That's awesome. Jenny. This was, this was fun. I know we, we kind of went on a bunch of tangents there and just kind of, uh, did a variety of things, but this was awesome. Glad to be able to hear your your take on some things. And I think it'll help out a lot of folks out there. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you, Brian. Really appreciate it. 
Hey everyone, one quick thing before you head off on your day. Um, if you don't mind, head over to iTunes, leave me a quick review, let me know how I'm doing. That feedback's really important for me to grow this podcast and get it out to more and more folks. Um, also, if you guys want to check me out online, brianandraco.com or at brianandraco on Instagram and Twitter. I look forward to engaging with you guys further. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.